Coach Considerations from the UKSCA Views and Opinions from the World of Strength and Conditioning Hello everyone and thanks for the invite, delighted to be here, love the conference and it's an honour to, to speak at the conference. So the topic I'm going to, to share some thoughts on is Strength and Conditioning Management. And often when I, when I land in a management position, they ask me, Des, will you bring this all together? So that's sort of the team, how we bring it all together in terms of management position. So there's a little overview of myself. Uh, I'll be sharing experiences from rugby, where I was uh, an SNC manager of, of two people in a senior professional team. Then a bit more experience with an SNC manager of sub-academy strength conditioners in different provinces and, and education. And then I was lucky to work in Arsenal Academy as head of, of sports medicine and athletic development. So lots of learnings there that I can, can share from. And, and I was mad keen to get back to the west of Ireland. It's beautiful. It's the best part of Ireland. And there, there's lots of different projects now that I'm enjoying. More participation, more community that I'll share from. So, about being the manager is, is bringing a team of people together. So I'm, I'm, I'm turning this into a mini conference, really. So I've some guest speakers during my talk, all these people. I'll introduce them later, but they have some very, very good advice as we go through this. So what can we be better at in terms of managers and management positions? Well, if we read this little uh, sports performance and science reports document, it interviewed some head of sports science and head of sports medicine practitioners and asked them, well, what can we do better? And the, the summary of what they shared was, well, interdisciplinary work, we hear that often, yeah, and deficits in a, at the strategic management process. So strategic management needs to improve. And formulation of a mission statement. This is the words from, from heads of science and medicine in Bundesliga academies and Premier League academies. So I, I concur with them. I agree. We can do those things better. Um, what positions would be available in your journey? Um, yeah, you could be head of science and medicine or head of high performance. So that's many different disciplines that you'll have to, to manage. You could be a head of physical performance or head of sports science, strength and conditioning, sports science, that sort of department. Or you could be head of strength and conditioning, maybe you and one or two other people. But you're still a manager. You're still leading people. You're still managing people. And some of the things I'll share may help. I like the way the Premier League uh, manage things in terms of who fills what roles. There are strict guidelines, rules that need to be in place. So a head of science and medicine at an academy, the person needs to be HCPC registered or a general medical council, a member of the general medical council or basis accredited. That's good due diligence. That's important to have in place. And even if someone like me, who's not a physio or a doctor, gets that type of position, they have a good rule in there that I'm not in charge of the, the primary care in terms of injuries, etc. And that's a very clear rule. So I, I like the way they do things. Now, the main part of this talk is, is making suggestions and how you can, you can bring it all together. And the first one is understanding the coaching philosophy. Pretty simple. You all know it but it's really important. And coaching philosophy, lots of different names for that. Some people call it approach, technical model, methodology, game model. Call it whatever you like, call it whatever the coach likes, more importantly. But you've got to understand it. And if I pose the question, 
how many people here would be able to articulate the philosophy of the coach they work with? Clearly and in detail, that's what we should be able to do. And I won't ask it now, but often there's not as clear answers as there could be. Maybe our fault, not asking, maybe the coach's fault, not articulating, but it needs to be dug into. And the most enjoyable one experience of delving into something like that was back in the IRFU. And Steve Abood, the, the um, technical director, had a very clear technical model. He built it with the coaches, academy managers around them. It was clearly laid out, it was clearly articulated, and he educated the strength conditioners on it. I thought it was a very good way of working. So, this is him explaining what it is. What we've developed in order to facilitate this is a technical model. It's like a roadmap. And we developed this, I think, about a year and a half ago. And essentially what it does is it provides a compass, a direction for everybody. So everybody has this reference point, the same reference point. And what they do is they map themselves on it individually as to where they're going in their professional development. But also they map the programs that they uh, deliver on the ground, either through coach development or through elite player development. So by having this common reference point, it's, I suppose it's the gravity, it's the thing that pulls us together. And during the year we do a lot of in-house uh, meetings and workshops with these uh, staff, with the coaches, um, and they also run initiatives themselves to reinforce this direction. So even though this is the one time we all get together, to be fair, the work that they do among themselves uh, with their academy managers, with their uh, regional development managers, is uh, fantastic. And that's what continues to provide the opportunity and the impetus for them to keep learning. So it's the gravity, it's what pulls people together. And the strength conditioners were pulled in on that, educated on that, and they knew what the roadmap was, and they helped the players achieve that journey. Uh, clubs have philosophy, like Arsenal, like the philosophy there is, is a huge influence from Arsene Wenger. Uh, if I reflect back, my reflections of it is, is highly technical players, able to express themselves, composed on the ball, able to train the turds, playing it out from the back, etc., etc. And the detail is there in that club. And the coaches in that club work closely together. And the coaches in that club learnt off Arsene Wenger. And then you've suddenly got a club philosophy that the conditioners, the physios, the nutritionists should fully understand and help bring to life. So here's a... 2017 I did the conference here and I had some fuckleknius and that means words of advice so I've asked a few clever people to give some advice and the first person that's going to share is is Shane Murphy who is brilliant at working with coaches so I asked him to give a little tip in that area I think one of the most important things between you and a coach is the relationship I think if the relationship isn't right I think it doesn't allow for proper conversations to happen I don't think honesty comes into it I don't think it's a good level of trust so before you start to instill your philosophy and everything about what you can offer I think trying to build a relationship is so important and you know you have a relationship when you can be honest so a relationship honesty trust comes from that hugely important and as well as the coach articulating their philosophy or technical model we should have our physical development framework and I've presented on this before, and we've published one in Arsenal, and we've just published one in Gaelic Games, and it's in the UKCA Journal, and I think it'll bring great alignment and clarity, an important thing to do. So, a strategic plan next needs to be built by many people, and an SNC manager should have big influence on this, should instigate this, and again, what I like about the EPPP rules is every academy needs to have one. 
Now, each one has their own specific one with their own flavour, uh, and Arsenal have one. If I reflect back to my time there, a very good one. And what should it contain? Well, it should contain a vision, a mission, objectives, strategies, tactics, philosophy, principles of play, pillars, values. All the detail, the reference point that you can look into if you're a new starter. If there's a disagreement on something, let's check with our performance plan. That may have the answer in it, the guidance in it. And the, the important starting point to that is the vision. So here is uh, an overview of what a vision is. It's concise, it's, it's clear, it's future orientated, it's challenging, it's inspiring. And here's the next All Black coach, Scott Robinson, explaining what a, a vision and a mission is. And I must say an inspiring coach. It would be nice to work with a coach like this. Probably, naturally, one, one thing I've sort of realised, um, anyone that, the, the first thing a leader's got to do is actually understand who they themselves are. And then once you've done that, you can lead others. And I mean that by just your strengths and what their greatest capabilities are. And then once you understand that, I think then the most important is having a clear vision. Because if you've got a clear vision, a vision translates to um, a leader sees um, where we're going and you've got to get everyone else to help see where they're going. And that's what vision is. Yeah. So it's real clear. So it becomes very aspirational. You already see it before you do it. And you've got a clear picture in your head. Okay, so that's what a vision, and the mission is how you're going to do it. So those are two key principles. So a vision, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. So a vision, where you're going, and how you're going to get there, the mission. And underneath that is all these different areas. We haven't time to go through them in detail. But I'm going to go over to another focal green you now, another word of advice and challenge. And I, I couldn't think of a better person but Ian Jeffries to give advice here. And Ian, you all know Ian, and I think Ian, leaders should try and do new things. And Ian certainly did that recently because he got elected, president-elect of the NSEA, the first person outside of the USA. So I think he's here. I think we should congratulate him on that achievement. <laughs> we all should be very proud of him. And no better person to give advice on vision and us as SNC managers. According to the Japanese proverb, vision without action is a daydream, and action without vision is a nightmare. Management and leadership have to coexist. In essence, if management involves putting first things first, leadership decides what those first things are. But this requires a completely different way of thinking than the traditional approach of strength and conditioning. We have to get our head out of the minutiae and see the big picture to imagine what could be, to create and communicate a guiding vision that people will follow. One that reflects our key values and then to devise processes that take us on the path towards that vision. Unfortunately, rarely in our field are we given any advice on how to do this. We need to do better. Yeah, so we can get better, but it's seeing the bigger picture and mapping out the journey after that. And someone I learned a lot from is Perry Stewart the head of uh, Academy Performance and Arsenal Academy. And he was great for putting the detail alongside the vision. So, some advice from Perry. When you move into a management role, it's important to realise that you are no longer the primary person that interfaces with the athlete, but you are the person that is facilitating and supporting the staff around the athlete to do the job to their best of their ability. 
And the one piece of advice I'd be willing to give any uh, management uh, staff in sport is make sure that you have a, a clear idea of where you want to go, how you plan on getting there, and then give your staff very clear roles, responsibilities and expectations. So roles and responsibilities. Whenever there's a, a disagreement, uh, a flare-up, often it leads back to were the roles and responsibilities clear? Were the roles and responsibilities discussed, checked in on and explained properly? A very important thing to do. Everyone should have clear roles and responsibilities in your team. So a performance plan, here's a quick example from football, the Arsenal Academy. The vision, strong young gunners. They can cope with whatever is in the future. Mightn't be playing football, might be playing at the highest level. How it's going to be achieved? Well, to create the most challenging and caring football academy in the world. A clear vision and mission. Then there's a framework for development. I won't go into this, but the most important part of this is the four pillars. Now, everybody in the environment should be talking about those four pillars. They should be used to evaluate the player, to develop the programme, to give feedback to the player. So, from this little documentary that's on YouTube, it's quite good actually, uh, Per Matisacker will explain the four pillars. We're well, starting point. Number one, lifelong learner. Just kicking a ball around is not enough, you know, in our academy. Put education first. You need to stay in your school. We want to have well-rounded kids understand kind of their responsibilities. Number two, most efficient mover. The physical football fitness corner, not only move in the right direction, but at the right timing in football actions. Number three, champion mentality. To be a champion doesn't need necessarily a trophy, you know, involved at the end of the day where you lift. It is being on a journey and accepting that champions have lost so many times, have missed so many shots, have been in so many adverse situations. How can I best possibly learn from those? This is champion mentality. Number four, effective team player. What does it mean and how can I get better, you know? We all want to be effective in what we're doing, you know? We're trying to link it, you know, to, to the football. All the other three pillars will, will support, you know, being, being an effective team player. Everything is linked and is built on, you know, to have boys here in the academy who can rise to any challenge in life. So those four pillars are extremely important, or anything like those, FA's four corners, there's lots of different versions, for getting people to work together getting people to talk in the language of those four pillars and not being physical, they're the strength conditioners, technical, tactical, they're the coaches. No, everyone is helping with all those four different pillars. So I'm, I'm gone from Arsenal, but thankfully I pop in every so often and help with the lifelong learner pillar because there's a few players doing those courses and it's great to see um, football players doing, starting out in the journey of degrees, etc. So, performance plan, very important. Very important, the management position contributes to it, builds it with the other senior player, the other uh, people, the other leadership team, etc. And that it's communicated and understood by parents, support people, players, pitched at an appropriate level for each. Now, values. Very important an organisation has values, but often they're just laughed at. Often they're not taken serious. Often they're not lived. And managers got to work hard building that environment with true values. Values are, are they guide behaviours and actions. It's important that 
managers practice what they preach. It's important that managers walk to walk in terms of values. So in Satanta, these are the, the values, togetherness, committed to excellence, continuous improvement. They're not worth much if they're just on a piece of paper. They've got to be brought to life. It's, it's tricky. We're based all over the world. It's, it's different people in, in different continents. You've got to work extra hard to try and bring, bring these things to life. But what I want to zoom in on is an area we've looked on recently. So people in high performance, they're looked after well. People in performance academy, as I call them, full-time academies, they're looked after well. But there's opportunities. There's opportunities in participation. There's opportunities in sub-academy. So when I went back to Ireland, I said, I'm going to help whoever asks me to help them, as much as I can. And a lot of people tapped me on the shoulder, and I went, God, there's, there's so much to be done here. There's so much opportunity here. So we developed Satanta Athletic Development. We're helping all these different organizations um, from yeah, a world governing body in, in world rugby, but a girls' rugby a club academy, a county academy for boys, a county Gaelic Games academy for girls, a club normal club environment in Gaelic Games, a school in hockey, rugby and Gaelic Games, and a, cl a club in Gaelic Games. So they're all looking for help. All, there's opportunities out there. And suddenly, in a year and a half, we have five full-time strength conditioners, 20 part-time strength conditioners. We have more employees than Sport Ireland. It's not that hard. The opportunities are there with the skill sets if, that people have. So, how do we bring the values alive with those coaches? One example, we had a CPD day. Ian Jones, who heads up the department, had lots of great ideas. One, we, have, we trained together. And you train, train with someone you don't usually spend much time with. Then we have breakfast together. So we haven't even started the CPD, and that's togetherness. Then a full day of CPD, so continuous improvement, we're, we're learning. Then alignment, so all those coaches will be implementing an aligned approach, committed to excellence. And I left buzzing. It was a fantastic day. And here's a little overview of the day. I was quite sore after the morning session, but anyway. And right through the day, we kept referencing togetherness, yeah. We kept referencing committed to excellence. Let's dig into these topics deep. And we reference committed to excellence. Let's bring this information out to the schools, the clubs, the academies that we're helping. So now we can also think about bringing values to life within the training environment that we're working in. 
And I think this is some good advice from Soham. Soham actually is in one of the top SNC positions in the world. So the Indian national cricket team. He's the head of SNC. And he's working with some very high level sports people. So here's his advice about bringing the values that he feels gets the best out of his players. From my experience of working at international level with elite athletes, the differentiating factor between a good and a great strength and conditioning program boils down to values like care, empathy and transparency. So as well as programming, we have to be thinking about what sort of environment do we want to create? What sort of va values do we want to uh, encourage? Now, I've shown a performance plan and you may think, oh, that's for the Premier League, that's for environments with huge budgets. But no, it can be created anywhere. So here's a, a club, all volunteers, community club in Cork called Bishopstown, and there's a group of people there working together to achieve a vision and a mission. We're helping them with athletic development, but they're volunteers, all the coaches and the people involved in that environment. They've created this, with a little help from ourselves, a player and coach pathway document. It has everything that I mentioned before, a vision, a mission, values, Four pillars, slightly different names, technical, tactical, psychosocial, physical. A play and philosophy, principles of play, all the detail that's needed. It's about 60, 70 pages long, uh, game time is covered, etc., etc. And the coaches know what they should emphasise at each of the stages from young to old. And we're there to, to help it be educated. We're there to do athletic development with the older players in the gym, the younger players in the hall do some workshops in psychology, workshops on nutrition. Now you've got a fantastic environment in a, in a community club. Quality control is another important area for, for managers. You get asked by the CEO, by the board, by external companies to check out new innovations, new uh, products. And these are some of the products that uh, Arsenal embraced while I was there. But how did we go through our checks and balances and due diligence? Well, we focused mainly on this article. Alan McCall would have been the main driver in the article. And if I'm to simplify it, it's this. It's A, uh, an innovation or a product is A, strong evidence to recommend. What gives it an A? Well, there's peer-reviewed evidence, there's expert recommendation, there's internal um, assessment, and there's the company's evidence. B, what does achieve that? Expert recommendation, acceptable internal assessment, company evidence. Ooh, we're getting down to C now. Weak evidence to recommend. Inconclusive internal assessment, company evidence. Then down, oh, down to D, not good. Insufficient evidence to recommend or strong evidence not to recommend. Expert not recommended. Negative internal assessment, company evidence is there. And now you're starting to make an informed decision. And you'd be surprised the amount of innovations and products that are down at C and D, that are flying off the shelves. Are we as manager doing our, managers doing our due diligence? Are we, are we just getting it because it looks good? Are we just taking people's word for it? Are we doing our internal checks? I don't think we're doing enough of that. And 
So, some more advice. We're going to go live to Cork now, to Aidan O'Connell, Head of High Performance in Cork GAA, and he'll give us his insight into how he does his quality control. Good morning, Des, and welcome to Parky Creed, the home of Cork GAA. Great question on, on quality control. My own decision-making process on whether or not we engage in a new product or piece of kit or tech is as follows. Firstly, do we need the product? Will it add value to our training process? Can we scale it from academy all the way up to senior grade? Um, financially, do we have the budget for it, which is, which is so important? Um, secondly, will it, will it free up time for our practitioners to coach more as well? Or will it add noise to the system? Secondly, um, I reach out and I chat to people and practitioners like yourself to see do you have opinions on the product? I speak to people then who actually use the product and have experience with it, read the science, and finally then, Des, I give it a few weeks before I make a decision, and that decision isn't, isn't final. Usually, I'll try the product for, for a month or so before the ultimate big decision is made. So that's the type of process we should go through, a very good process. Uh, next suggestion is doing a quality performance development review, appraisal, different titles for them. Um, I've had some good ones in the past and not so good ones. It's so important to the practitioner. It's about their work over the previous year. It's about something they're very passionate about. You as a manager should put a lot of preparation into that meeting, uh, taking notes right through the year to give feedback to the practitioner. Here's an example of the Arsenal document that was used. I think it's online now. This is the document that we use in Satanta. At the front is the vision, mission and values. Um, an important suggestion, it's not the time to discuss salary. You should have time to discuss salary, but separate to the performance development review. It is the time to create a development plan, help people get better. It is the time to discuss good performances. And often the good practitioners are very humble and they don't bring up all the bloody good things they did and you as a manager should highlight that to them. And it's a time to discuss uh, areas to improve. And often the, the good practitioners throw too much out and you have to pause them and go, no, 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 let's just focus on these. And maybe some people would not recognise the areas that they have to improve. So you have to go on a journey of a conversation to draw it out from them. And a PDR should be huge preparation, lots of listening from the manager. It's something that you create together, you and the, the practitioner, and it should be recorded because you're checking in on it six months later, checking in on it in a major way one year later, and it continues. A bit like fitness testing for players. Um, so here's the example, the one uh, I use in, in Satanta. Uh, your objectives. They should be clear at the very start. You're just doing a quick check. Are we all clear on, on the objectives? Yeah. What went well? You fill that out. Uh, what went well from you as a manager? You fill that out. Usually they're, they're aligned. Then you go on to uh, what could have been done better Yeah. from the practitioner, from the um, manager. Then an agreed action plan. What are we going to do? How are we going to help you improve? How are we going to help you develop in that area? And right, let's write down the new objectives for going forward. They might slightly change from the above ones. There'll be personal objectives. And then turn the table. Now it's time for you to give feedback to the organization, to myself as a manager. It should be a two-way thing. And then you write down the detail of the resources that should be given to the practitioner. 
And then there is some form of scoring. Yeah, what the person did, a one to five on that, how they did it, two different things. And then a score in relation to togetherness, committed to excellence, continuous improvement. Now those values are being discussed more and more and started to come alive rather than just words on a wall and laughed at and sniggered at. And it's recorded and you check in on it six months later. Very important. And what stems from it may be accreditations, maybe attending conferences, presenting at conferences, site visits, getting a mentor, so many options that don't all cost huge amounts of money. So some advice to go deeper into that, Fergal O'Callaghan, who's the uh, high-performance sports lead in University of Galway, was with Munster, won the one two Heineken Cups, very experienced practitioner. He's some thoughts to share. I think for the second part, when you are a manager and you're working with S&C staff, I think it's very important then for, as a manager, that you give your staff um, opportunities to develop themselves and look at your staff the way maybe you would look at your, your athletes, your players. And your job as a manager is to improve their abilities as well as the abilities of your players and athletes. So giving them projects to work on where you can use your managerial skills to help them become better in the area area and advance them maybe to a situation where they can become a manager in the future. So great point by Fergal. We all say, geez, I was a practitioner and now suddenly I'm a manager. No one showed me what to do. I'm not ready for it. So it's important for us as the current managers to get the next group of people ready to be the manager. And some more advice from James, who's talking later. Uh, James is in the UAE as Head of Talent, ID and Athlete Development. Hi, Des. So my recommendation for anyone looking to become an SNC manager would be not to shy away from the opportunity to get involved in things just beyond their job description. Um, and in terms of leading a team successfully, would probably be to try and align uh, people's roles and responsibilities with their interests as best as possible so that they have a passion project and something that they really want to work on. Yeah, so for the, the identified practitioners, the talented practitioners, opening the door for them, opening the door for everyone if they want to do that little bit extra, if they want to do a unique project, uh, and you can help them through that process as well. So probably the most important thing is to develop practitioners. And it's a long journey for strength conditioners from starting out in their career, internship, practitioner, experienced coach, experienced leader. It's a long journey. And again, us as managers has to help people through that journey. It can be frustrating at times. Some people can be impatient. Some people can get frustrated. But we have to help them through that journey. And the journey should take what it takes. Because if you are to go straight up to the high level, and I was lucky enough to coach one of these for a significant amount of time, and now and again, a few of the others, it's tough. They are challenging people to look after. They're nice people and so on, but they don't accept sloppiness. They don't accept mistakes. They don't accept the best. And that's not for the weak-hearted. And that's not for early career. That's not for an internship. That's not for a year two um, career practitioner. You have to help a person to get to that level. And this is what I think the journey could be described as. There's many different ways of describing it. And, and this came a bit clearer to me when I was talking to Joe McGinley, the head of s and in Leinster. And I always had this sort of journey in my head, but I'm glad I got it down on paper now. So the first part is the induction. 
it's important for us to show them the athletic development framework, the rules of the organisation, the venues of the organisation, the people of the organisation. A good quality induction doesn't happen enough for the people that arrive. They know the do's and don'ts, they know how, how, the, uh, how you work in that environment. Next, and the videos I have coming up are all the top level coaches at the end of that journey, showing examples of points along that journey. So the next point is, you're not gonna be best friends with the players, you've just started, you're only year one, year two. You're not gonna have the greatest connection relationship, but you gotta start making those connections asking simple questions, getting to know them as people. Like Barry here, uh, it's, it's pre-season screening, but he just has a friendly chat with the player. When did you get the chat? Not in Greece? No, 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 yeah, yeah, in London. So the player was looking down at his, his score sheet, not terribly excited about going ahead, and Barry just threw in a question and, and brought it to life a little bit. And you, at that stage of your career as a practitioner, could be getting to know the players bit by bit, gathering this information, and I suggest to coaches, write it down. Ask them about what you've learned. Ask them how things are going. And you're gradually building. And moving on to the next step, which is clarity. So now the manager should say to the practitioners, you're there to challenge the player, you're there to support the player, you're there to develop the player. Make them do what they don't want to do. Make them push them to places they don't want to go. Make them lift more, make them jump higher, make them run faster. That's your job. And be uh, consistent in that job. And with that, will come respect and the further parts of the journey. So here's a, a top level coach doing what I'm suggesting, making the player do more than he thought he could do. Pushing that player into a harder place to get to. And I've no doubt if Dan wasn't there, there would be a lot less reps completed. So now on the journey, you have connections, you have an induction, there's clarity on what your role is. You're achieving what you should be achieving with the player. They're starting to gain understanding of you as a practitioner, respect for you as a practitioner, and you're improving the player. Now you're stepping into the new part of the journey, the relationship. And Nick, who spoke yesterday, spoke very well yesterday, explains this better than I could. I think that's where um, knowing the individual is really important. Like some players still want to have a joke leading into a game. Some players you don't even want to go near because they're in fight mode and some need to relax a little bit. And so understanding who you, who you can have sort of that um, I suppose presence with um, comes down to that relationship, you know. And as a manager, you're on the sidelines looking in on the nutritionists, the physios, the strength conditioners, the sports scientists. Are they getting to that point? Are they, do they know the player as well as you'd like them to know the player? How are they getting on? How is the relationships? And you're helping the practitioners go along the journey. And then you're reaching very high levels. And then you've mutual respect. 
you're celebrating success. Like Jason Cowman, very good conditioner there with Peter O'Mahony after Ireland whooped the All Blacks in New Zealand. Um, they're celebrating together. They have that sort of relationship. But also, you're there to support them in challenging times. And again, pushing them even further with that high level of respect. And you reach the point of trusted professional. And I'm going to talk about myself a little bit now, but back in the day, trained the Gaelic Games team for four years, good first two years, not so good third year, discipline issues, a player passed away in the squad. Horrible season. The fourth season. Right, we want to do a good job here. I got to that point further on the journey with these players. Championship match, knockout. You lose, you're out. 40,000 people there. Level it full time. Okay, into extra time. It's half time and extra time. What does the captain do? He grabs Des, pulls him into the circle. That's me there with frosted tips. It was cool back in the noughties. Um, and I had to give the half time or the half time and extra time talk. And I can't repeat it. And they won and so on. But I that was the first time I felt I was a trusted professional. They ask you to do those sorts of things but it's a long journey. And us as managers should be helping the practitioners along that journey. And take a note of it. So, to get to those levels, you really need to know the person. And I'll let Paul, who's head of Academy, oh no he's not, he's just arrived in the UAE. Uh, so a new f exciting job over there. But for the last long term, he was head of Academy Performance in Stoke City. And he gives some sound advice here. A piece of advice to be uh, a successful manager for me, people want to know that you care about them as a person and not just someone that does a job. They can trust you in case mistakes are making, that you, you'll look after them. And from a supportive perspective in terms of you'll look to make them better. Yeah, you have to show you care. So manager to uh, practitioner. And then practitioner to uh, player. It's important you have that good relationship. And here's Ivan Mulcandy, Johnny O'Connor, an example, good relationship with Glenn. Glenn unfortunately went to Rangers. Johnny played, uh, trains Connacht. They meet up when they go to Glasgow, Connacht. That's a very good sign of a good relationship. Ivan, one of the best I know for forming good relationships with players. And he's at Ipswich Town, and here's some advice from him. Hi, I'm Mulcandy here from uh, Ipswich Town Football Club. Uh, when it comes to relationship with players, I would say the important thing is being a friendly professional. So you want to relate to the players on, on all kinds of levels, find out who they are as, as a person first and an athlete second. And I think for me that's worked really well in my roles in an academy setting, more like a big, big brother. When I come to the first teams and change a bit to more, how can I relate to the players in terms of the journey they're going through in terms of being a parent for the first time, moving houses and all that kind of stuff. So as I've gone through the system, it's had to change how I relate to the players. But I think now the main thing is still being a friendly professional around. Well, friendly professional, getting to know the person first. Excellent advice there. Now, a big thing for a manager and often unseen work is you gotta be in the room. These are some of the meetings that would have been happening in Arsenal Academy when I was there. And you as a manager had to be there to influence, to educate, to listen, to guide, to confirm, to, to, to yeah, have your input. To represent your department, 
to help things flow and bring things together. Huge amount of meetings. And sometimes people in the department get a bit frustrated. What's Des to do? Sure, he's sitting there in the office and he's not out coaching the team. No, not. But this is extremely important to help things flow. And some advice uh, from Jo. I think she's in Australia at the moment. So a sports science consultant, worked at the highest levels on many continents in how you can act in those meetings. Hi Des and everyone, uh, Joe Flab, Sports Science Consultant here. My tips for becoming a manager in the sports performance space center on your interpersonal skills. Yes, you need the technical knowledge both in your area and sufficient knowledge of other areas to be able to hold down conversations with your peers. But also you need to have those interpersonal skills in terms of building relationships, active listening, confident humility, to be able to take on the perspective of others and actually at times when suitable put your ego aside and perhaps take on their perspectives. Yeah, confident humility. We don't have the answers to everything and if you bring everyone together the answer will be in there somewhere. Uh, be good at managing up. You've got to practice at this. A few suggestions are, no surprises for the academy manager, the CEO, members of the board. Distill the information to them gradually. Make sure they're part of it early. Get to know them. Arrange a meeting, regular face-to-face, one-to-one, so you can get to know them. Ask them what they would like. Map it with what you would like, and it'll make it happen easier. Present what you completed. They don't know. They need to see. You need to prepare it to present it to them. And create visuals to remind them of the past. People's memories are only so long. You've got to build your story as the journey goes on. So the closing advice, just a few more clips from some very clever people, starting with Paddy Roach, that maybe different environments need different styles of management as you go through. It, it really depends on what level you're working at, and each level you work at will require a different set of skills. For instance, if you're working with academy or developmental players, um, you're going to generally be working with early career staff, or staff that have different skill sets than those that work with elite top level players. As a line manager working in a development or academy area, you need to have a lot of patience and need to have a lot of understanding of your day-to-day needs of your staff as they learn and continue to grow in their, their roles and as they gain more experience and develop their philosophy. So you're going to be a sounding board for a lot of these practitioners. You're going to be the voice of reason sometimes for these practitioners. Sometimes you're going to be a shoulder to come and lean on when they're frustrated with uh, young players who um, fail to turn up on time or do the right thing because they're teenagers and they're learning on their own journey as well. Um, whereas then, if you move into the top end of the game, the sharp end of the competitive uh, nature of sport, they require different traits as a line manager. You're going to have to build a lot of trust with your players, a lot of trust with your staff, because you might only have a very short time to really uh, make an impact. Sometimes when uh, things don't go well, if there's a spike in injuries or a loss in competition or you get knocked out of competition, then there's panic. Sometimes panic can set in and that's where you need to be calm. You need to be a good sounding board for your staff. Uh, you need to be sensible in analysing what went wrong, if uh, anything can be fixed. But also, when things go well, you need to celebrate those, those victories as well. Not only uh, victories as in winning medals and trophies, but when you've got a player back uh, successfully from a long-term injury or when you've hit new performance markers. So different styles of management in academy 
compared to high performance. And Jo is going to be a very good consultant here, and she's going to check and challenge Des. Now, I don't know if Des would want me admitting to this, but I didn't personally want to keep pursuing going up the ladder into more management roles, into performance director roles, maybe even general manager, because for me, then you become focused on the politics, the leadership, people management, which is of interest to some, but for me, I wanted to stay with sports science and that technical skill set, and that's why I personally became a consultant. And great point. And not everyone will want to be a manager, not everyone should aim to be a manager. There's opportunities for everyone at all the different levels, and being a consultant is a very exciting opportunity as well. So to summarise, all these different areas are some suggestions for management. There could be two, three, four more pages. It's a huge area. These are just some of the things I thought may help. And I'll, I'll finish now with one more word of advice, one more fuckle from Liam Hennessy. And I think it's appropriate to finish with because there can be frustration sometimes from departments to managers. Why things aren't happening quickly enough? Why aren't you getting those extra budgets? Why aren't you getting those extra equipment? Why is there not extra people in the department? And yeah, it's important to get those things and strive to get those things, but you have to move forward steadily. Do your due diligence. It takes time and it can frustrate the department, but I think Liam summarises the style of management that should be in that scenario. For those involved in the management of strength conditioning and allied fields, a reflection on a well-known Irish phrase, eraig le fuinevis le curum, translated into English means onwards with energy and care. Similar to that old classical Latin phrase, festina lente, hasten slowly. So if your manager is frustrating you with the slowness of progression, think about what they have to do and all the hoops they have to jump through. So onwards with energy and care, and the care is the important part. So thanks for your time. I hope it helps. It's a huge area. I'm around for the next two days. Happy to chat to anyone. We are going to allow a little bit of time, Des, just for a couple of questions. So stick your hand up and either Will or me. There you go, Will. You can go first up that side. Just making your run, mate. You'll have to use your coaching voice. I will. Thank you. Good, you have one. That's all right. I really enjoyed that a lot. Thanks. Um, hopefully, you can come to my talk at 11 o'clock. I'd love to see your brain. There's so many questions I'd like to ask, but I don't know which one, but I think I'll ask the same one I asked Nick yesterday. Like, obviously, highly successful. You've been hosting. I, I can hear you. You're all right. Yeah. I like to, no, all right. You got asked highly successful. And the question I asked Nick yesterday was. What has helped you stay resilient, healthy, and connected to the important people in your life outside of sport whilst working in these high-performance environments? Oh, yeah, it's just pressing the not give a fuck a button. Oh, I, I wasn't <laughs> supposed to swear. Almost. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, the, I, it took a while to find that button. But when I left, and of course, academy football is very pressurised, and yeah, it got to me a few times. But at one stage, I figured out, okay, I'm leaving the office now. Press that button, grand, 
not give a F. Heading home, chat about all different things, not chat about if a player was being selected or, or not selected, how many players were coming through, all those not too important things. Um, that helped a lot. Uh, probably only appeared halfway through my journey. And yeah, getting back to Ireland regularly, so switching off from that pressurised world. And when I'm in Ireland now, still pressurised, it's a company, people have positions, you have to make it successful, help it be successful. Yeah, go to the middle of nowhere in Ireland, so not too dissimilar to Nick. He, he, he went up to the middle of nowhere in New Zealand and grew avocados, I think he said. I go to Mayo, West Coast Ireland, and stand up paddleboard, basically. Yeah, I wouldn't say I've, I've nailed that. I've supported people in that. Um, and I'd advise them to find that person they trust. And in the department, it may not, may not necessarily be me, the head of the department. I had Paddy Roach and I had Purry to have a good old bitch to. And I wouldn't recommend the practitioners having a good old bitch with their line manager, but that's the wrong word for it, chat talks about their frustrations, coming up with solutions, and if they had that trusted person to do that. But not with someone at home, not bringing it home, having that person they trusted with, but not turning into that person in the environment where they're going around bitching to everyone, just having that person they trust sometimes helped. I'm not saying that's the solution to all those challenges, but it helps. <laughs>